Hey everyone, welcome to the Grabs Podcast, where we bring the stories of real life rescues to you firsthand from those involved. I'm your host today. My name is Grant. And with me, I've got two guys from Blairsville Volunteer Fire Department. They're in Pennsylvania. And we're going to be talking about a grab made August 28th, 2023. So I got Captain Matthew Marin and Chief Zach Dixon. So welcome, guys. How are you doing? Good, Grant. Yeah, doing good here. Hey, Chief, um, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and then tell us a little bit about your department? Hi, Grant. Uh, like you said, my name is Zach Dixon. I've uh, been in the fire service now for 17 years. Uh, belong to Blairsville Volunteer Fire Department. We uh, um, we have about 15 square miles of first due, and we run about 350 calls a year. Um, no EMS, all fire and rescue. Um, we... Uh, we run most mostly mutual aid calls, which is which is nice for me as the chief. I uh, I'm a fairly young chief, so I still like to get dirty with the guys. So for mutual aid calls, I'm pretty much jumping in with the crew and and jumping in with the engine crew, which is what I did on this day. We're going to talk about. Um, we run like 78 percent of our calls in mutual aid, and only like 20 some percent are are our first due. So um, huge student of the craft, um, volunteer, but I like to think I take it pretty seriously. Nice. Uh... Matthew, tell us about yourself. Yeah, I've uh, been in the fire service about six years now. Um, just uh, loved where I grew up with these guys, uh, learning everything I can, just following what they led with. Um, great mentors and really enjoyed my time with them. Um, uh, it all came to a head this day that we're going to talk about, too. Um, all that training really paid off uh, for what we got to do for this Cool. So, uh, Chief, back to you. Tell us, what do you guys get? What kind of, I know, volunteer department. So, um, your resources can probably be dependent on time of day and where is it at. Uh, but tell us what you guys typically get on a house fire and then what the what that time delay is like between units. So, I can comment on what's in my first due, which this fire we're going to talk about today actually was a mutual aid fire. So it was not in my first due, but on my first due, um, our box brings five full stations for residential. And then it guarantees at least one aerial device um, out of each station for us, for volunteers. Um, you're going to get like one or two uh, pumper apparatus and that's pretty much it. So you're talking five, six, seven engines and an aerial on first alarm on a residential fire. What would, what, how many guys would that bring? Um, Time of day, you know, during the day, you're talking two or three guys on an engine, maybe in the nights, uh, evenings, weekends, you may get three, four guys on each engine. Um, and then, you know, we're in Western Pennsylvania. Um, the standard is what the standard is in each department. Um, I go three miles in either direction and everybody does things um, a different way. The Commonwealth of Pennsylvania doesn't require anything of the department. So, um Literally, each department can make their own standards, so it's pretty interesting when you start getting out of your own first due and out of your own training requirements. Uh, so with that being said, how do you guys keep an aggressive culture, or what's your search culture like? Like, how are guys, how do you do business when you get on a fire? 
So our SOGs and the way we train, we train once a week, every Monday night uh, for two hours. And uh, our SOGs, our first arriving apparatus is fire suppression. Our second arriving is going to be a booster backup, and they're going to be prioritizing search. And our third is going to be water supply. Uh, most of our first do is plugged, so our third is going to catch that plug and lay in. And our first engine, 750 gallons. Our second engine is a, a engine tanker, so it's 1,500. So between the first two pieces, we have plenty of water there to mount an aggressive fire attack and uh, get some water on our fire and get that search going. We uh, we really made a lot of strides in the last like five, six, seven, eight years. We got a core group of guys that, that train hard. Uh, we go outside. We go to as many conferences as we can, things like that. Um, Nat and I just came back from Oath Keepers uh, a couple months ago. When this work out there, really, really great learning environment out there. And we try to bring that stuff back and give it to the guys in our department and anybody else that's willing to hear it. Very good. Uh, so let's go to August 28th, 2023, and let's talk about that fire. Uh, August 28th, uh, again, that was a mutual aid fire. And I actually live just outside my first due. I live about four miles outside of the borough of Blairsville on the side of which the, the fire we're going to. We're going... Um, into a, a barrel called dairy. And uh, I'm about six minutes out from where this fire is at. This fire was dispatched at, uh, where's it at? 12.04, I think it was. Yeah, 12.04 in the afternoon. Um, and I have an iPad in my truck, pickup truck. I respond POV to everything being the chief. We can run lights and sirens here in Pennsylvania. And I carry in my truck, full turnout gear, a set of irons and my SCBA all the time with me. Um, so, I pull past the address. I don't see a whole lot. Um, so I pull past the address to about five or six houses, beach my truck out of the way, start gearing up. And uh, I look back towards the address and I just see real light haze of smoke. And I actually ask one of uh, another firefighter from another department that wasn't in gear. I said, where's, where's the fire address? And he kind of had to point it out to me because I wasn't sure. Fire address was a six unit apartment building, uh, brick apartment building that sat up on a hill. And uh, there was one, um, there was one member of another department there already. He was an OIC from another department. Uh, he had turnout gear and no pack. Um, I should back up. Dispatch did confirm that we had entrapment, and they believed the entrapment was in the fire apartment. And they thought they had an open line, and they thought they could still hear the guy breathing. Um, so the house kind of sat on a hill. Front was showing three divisions. Um, if you go around the back, there was a road that went up the Delta side, and that's where the OIC that was already there was calling for help. He was calling for irons to the Charlie side. So uh, I got geared up, grabbed my irons, grabbed my pack, everything else, of course, and ran up along the Delta side. And as I ran past the Delta side, I could see a vent pipe, um, maybe a six or eight inch vent pipe pushing some some uh, kind of brownish, greenish smoke, that, that vent limited smoke you'll see was real volatile but it was pushing out that vent and that vent looked like it was a uh like a kitchen vent if you will um so continue around back and uh the oic that was there from another department had already kicked the door so it was forced and now it was pushing back and he was gagging on what was coming out um so i done my mask uh pretty quickly and uh went in the six unit apartment was divided right up the middle by the stairwell. So I went left. He put me right in the fire apartment. I didn't have to figure out where it was. It was right off of division two, which was at ground level at this point. Um, so I went into the left off of C and uh, knowing that my right wall was going to be a straight wall along the hallway 
I did basically a quick left-hand search. Uh, visibility was maybe a foot or two. It was thick smoke, but it wasn't volatile, and there wasn't a lot of heat in it. Um, I immediately entered into a bedroom, searched the bed. Uh, nothing found there. Came to another locked bedroom, took my helicopter bar, popped it, um, and the light drawn in that room, I could see everywhere in that room. Um, so I literally just poked in there a couple feet, was able to do a visual search of that room really quickly. Came back out, closed the door behind me, continued my left, uh, ended up in the kitchen, which was actually the fire room at the time. Um, I didn't see any active fire, but uh, I could tell that the concentration of smoke and there was a little bit of heat left in there. Bounced out of the kitchen, uh, came across a hallway without knowing it actually, with the visibility the way it was, straight across into another uh, little nook, and there was two closets there, searched them both, had to open the door, searched them both. And I was coming back then towards the Charlie and uh, I found the bathroom and the victim was in the bathroom. He was sitting in the tub. Um, his knees were like over the threshold of the tub and his feet were hanging out and uh, he was slouched over. And the first thing I saw actually was his phone. His phone was in his hand. And I actually saw the glow of his phone through the smoke on the floor before I saw him. Um, so found him, uh, he was breathing at this time called out victim, 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 communicated that. Um, I knew that OIC knew where I was because he pointed me in the room. So I communicated victim, victim, victim. He's in a bathroom, he's in a bathtub, and that I needed help. Um, I knew he was big. I didn't know how big. And I, I should say, too, that um, I, at this point in time, um, I was in the middle of a pretty bad herniated disc in my back. Um, my strength was very weak. Uh, and if I tried to pick anything up, my leg pretty much went numb immediately. So I, I knew I was limited in my physical ability at this time. Um, so called victim, victim, victim. No, I wasn't gonna be able to pick the guy up out of the tub. So I took him and I rolled him over on his side and tried to get his airway as low as possible out of the out of the smoke. Um, and then I don't remember if I closed the door or not. I'd like to think I did, but I don't know if I did to isolate him. And I went back and I knew there was no help coming because there was no units on scene yet. I could hear him coming on the operations channel and uh, I couldn't move him. I just, I physically couldn't. Um, so I got his airways as possible. And I went back out, actually did a secondary over what I already searched for and just waiting for more help to come. The, uh, the first arriving unit um, was assigned to pull a line to the back. So um, I should back up to here. I also called for a rip pack. So when I laid the guy over, um, he filled up the bathtub. So he was, he was a pretty, he was a pretty big guy. Um, so when I called, uh, after I did that, I called back on the radio and I said, I needed help and I needed a rip pack. Cause my thought was, even if I got help, he was in a bathroom in an apartment that it was going to take some time. And I was going to try to get him on air because he was, he was, he was still breathing and there wasn't heat. So my thought was right or wrong. If I get this guy on air, at least he wasn't going to be sucking smoking while we were trying to wrestle him out. Um, so I finished the secondary, the first engine crew was assigned by OIC to, um, stretch a line to the back. And then, uh, Matt, who's here with us, he was on our engine coming out of town, who mind you probably had at least a 10 minute ride from station. He came from his house, which is at least, at least a five minute ride from his house. I would say, um, he pulled in. And uh, running around back, kind of, kind of heard what was going on, and then uh, he was the first one to show up actually at me to try to start helping me. 
Um, so I'll kind of let him pick up um, here and kind of go through what he experienced at this point. All right, Matt, you're on. Yeah, so uh, I was on our engine. Um, it was just me and a driver. Uh, driver turned out actually to be Zach's dad. So um, hearing on the radio, um, I could see and hear that it was Zach calling out victim, victim, victim. And um, uh, we got there pretty quickly. Uh, our order, my order was given to uh, go to the back and assist with uh, the extrication. So uh, didn't grab a tool, didn't grab a rip pack because what I understood was there was a rip pack back there already. Um, I come around to the seaside where we made entry. Um, and I saw about three or four guys from the first engine. Um, none of them with packs on, just like trying to shove hose in the door. Um, kind of just tell them like, get out of the way. Like, where is he? Where's Zach? And like, they just pointed me to the fire, um, apartment. Um, so made my way in there. Um, just like walked through the apartment. Cause at this time, uh, it had dissipated a little bit. Um, ran into Zach pretty much and just had a, a quick face to face with him. Um, saw the guy in the tub and, uh, knowing Zach's, uh, health issues and uh, was back and everything. He looked at me and said, do you think you can lift him and, uh, do a lot of, uh, training and stuff. So I looked at the guy and I said, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, kind of bear hugged him. Um, the first time slipped a little bit, but then the second time, um, was able to lift him up, and I'm pretty sure Zach helped push his legs over, and we got him out of the tub at that point. Um, so from there, uh, he's on the ground, um, pretty much in the doorway of the bathroom, and I go back for the rip pack at this point, like asking where's the rip pack, come back in with their rip pack off of the other engine crew. Um, so their rip pack wouldn't have been – we run different – uh, SCBAs, so wasn't familiar with the rip pack. Um, and whenever I opened it, opened both sides of the whole thing up, there was no mask in the rip pack. So that was a little shock for us opening that up because it kind of defeated our purpose. Um, kind of tossed it to the side and ran out there and asking for our rip pack. Um, I think Zach communicated that we needed the mask or something because uh, someone had came in with the mask. Um, at that point, we hooked the mask up and tried to get it on him, and it just kept slipping. And then at this point, I believe Zach had noticed that, because Zach was watching his chest rise and fall, and noticed that he had stopped breathing at this point. Um, and so we kind of just made the call to uh, forego the rip pack and just go with the extrication just as we were. Um, I was on his, his head side, so I just kind of did some uh, wrist locks grabbed him there and Zach was pushing um, using his legs uh, and we managed to get him out the doorway through the hallway um, into the first bedroom that we came into um, at that point um, we, were we were exerting ourselves pretty heavily and uh, noticed that there was other firefighters in the room who just were watching us um, so we both got a little bit heated in that moment, um, yelling at them, like to help us and whatnot. And uh, um, they put, they did help us a little bit, get him out to the doorway and then hand him off to EMS. So. Um, well, what did you say the uh, victim's weight was? 
I would say he's probably about uh, at least 350, probably 400 pounds. Dang, a big one. What was the what was the distance you guys had to had to get him from bathroom to get in him out? Um, I'd say it was probably twenty five feet. Um, so when Matt first uh, when I when, when help finally did come, I took my bar and I popped the bathroom door off because he was actually the way I laid him down, he was behind the door. So I actually popped the door off as soon as help came to make us some room there. Um, so we had to come out the bathroom and turn left and go down the hallway towards the Charlie side. So we had to go down a hallway and then through a bedroom into the common hallway, which is the stairs, and then out the Charlie door. So I, I would guess it to be about 20 to 25 feet, somewhere in there. Cool. Uh, was he, I, I know you, you mentioned that he was slippery when you initially picked him up. Was he slippery? Uh, throughout that drag or was it just that initial uh it was throughout uh, i kept slipping off his wrist here and there um so uh so matt had him in a, a double wrist lock uh with the hallway in an apartment that was pretty much all he could do and the only way i could help him with my condition was i took the guy's one leg put it over my shoulder and i drove right into his butt and just crawled, pushed, and drove as hard as I could to try to help Matt moving forward. Um, trying to think what else here. Uh, I'd like the heads up on the RIT pack as, a, as kind of a plan B, uh, knowing that the victim's going to be in there for a long time and not being able to get them out initially, definitely keeping that airway low. Uh, so that, that was definitely a good move. I know things can get heated when we know things got to get done. Um, and uh, we got other people and sometimes I, I found myself with this a lot that I'm not great with the, I'm not as good of a communicator as I think it's like, Hey, I need you to do this. And people look at me like, like I'm, I'm talking in Spanish or something. Um, so I know that can be difficult, but uh, real solid. You guys have an idea of time um, from arrival to victim out on this one. So, uh, we don't. I, I actually, we're in another county where my department's at, so I do not have access to the CAD notes. And uh, I actually reached out to the, the chief of that department, but they don't have access to the CAD notes either. So I don't have the timestamps from it. Um, I mean, I know it took me about six minutes to get there. I know it took my engine probably almost 18 to 20 to get there. And I'm going to say the extrication took us at least eight to 10. Um that's that's just guessing. I, again, I wish I had those numbers for you, but unfortunately, I don't. No, it's all good. Um, so before we wrap up, uh, what takeaways do you guys have from this one? Um, you know, I I've always taken my my fitness uh, fairly um, fairly seriously. Uh, I mean, I, I'm not nearly as serious as most as some of you guys do, but um, with my injury, I I knew I was not at 100. Um, percent I've, I've got back into it again. Um, I won't make that mistake again if I can help it. But unfortunately, at that time, I, I couldn't I couldn't help it. I mean, it was an injury that I was trying to fight with. Um, and that's something I'm going to have to live with. And I can't stress one thing is fitness is enough because that is the hardest year work. That is actually uh, the fifth grab I've, I've been fortunate enough to be a part of in the volunteer, volunteer department. But I'm also around a lot. I uh, My day job is I work from home. Um, and I, I make a lot of a lot of our alarms, both mine and our neighboring departments. 
um, but fitness and training. And I will add that, you know, I, I, uh, I, we, we teach the tripod technique and that's how I searched that because of the limited visibility. Um, and I missed the entire, uh, the entire living room on, on my first search. And I missed it again on my secondary. When I came out of the kitchen, the hallway was real short and I shot straight across the hallway into another hallway that had like two closets in it. And I missed it both times and I didn't see it. But we also teach oriented search and I should have known that I've never, I never went through like a living room in that apartment and it never dawned on me during the time. So, um, you know, just a, a lot of takeaways from it. And every time we got run a fire, we learn stuff, but definitely a lot of lessons learned from this one. That's good. Matt, what about you? Any takeaways for you? Yeah, just, uh, again, echoing the fitness part of it, uh, me and Zach both are pretty, pretty into the fitness and we compete a lot and things like that. But, uh, um, also just like training. I know after this fire, we, we came up with a lot of drills and stuff. Um, things we learned i know we did a whole drill on our rip pack and like um going over putting a mask on someone that's unconscious because that was something that i had never practiced before um and it was definitely a challenge so i'm just learning some skills for that um but yeah definitely a lot to learn and definitely like trust your equipment and take the stuff that you um check off with your department and don't trust someone else to bring you something that you need Oh, all good points. Well, I appreciate you guys reaching out to us and sharing this. I'm sure the uh, listeners will take away some good stuff from this one. If you get a grab or assist, we ask you to go to Fire Fire Rescue Survey and fill out that survey. If you want to record a grabs podcast, get a hold of me, Nick Ladine, Justin McWilliams, and we'll get those recorded. Uh, we just want to bring these stories to life, give you something short that you can listen to on the way to work and and get your mind right. So until next time, stay aggressive.